praise the Lord. So wonderful if we start training these young people and these new people in the church. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. The Sunday school going out where they're going to be taught the Word of God. There's no game playing there. No game playing. Praise the Lord. Are you here to hear the Word of the Lord this morning? I'm not going to disappoint you. I'm just going to give you the Word of God. Hallelujah. When I walked up in, into the church this morning, my brother David walked up to me and he said, Guiamora. Is that right, David? How did you say it? Guiamora. Guiamora. Well, I want to say, Guiamora, who hanged it vandaag. Dumela wenaugilikai. That's an African language, northern Sutu. Dumela wenaugilikai. Reteng lachamanatu. It says, how are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. Now about you. Uh, in, uh, I can also say, hola. Yeah? We, we's different. I can say, guten tag. Guten tag. Or like you also say, good day, mate. <laughs> they also think that's a language, but that's fine. We'll leave it to them. And uh, in, in, in New Zealand, they will say, kiora. Kiora. Who, who heard that one? Kiora. I'm a Kiwi. Where's all the Kiwis in the room? Kiora. Yeah, that's right. Praise the Lord, I'm a South African-born Kiwi. So uh, if you want to talk about the South Africans, I say, yeah, those South Africans, man, I'm a Kiwi. If you want to talk about the Kiwis, I go, yeah, those Kiwis, man, I'm a South African. And if you want to talk about both of them, I go, mate, mate, I'm an Aussie, mate. <laughs> Praise the Lord, hallelujah. But there's different languages, so it's good and dark. And, uh, and w- in Malayalal, what is good, good morning in Malayalal, Janil? Or just Hello. Supraba. Supravado. Supravado. Okay. <laughs> and what other, other languages? Come on, shout a few good mornings out here. Buongiorno. Buongiorno. I like that one. Yeshua. Yeshua. Which language is that? Yeshua. Greek. Greek. I like the Greek. Bonjour. That's friends, isn't it? Friends. I love the friends. Bonjour. Am I saying it right again? Yeah, yeah. Janelle, how do I say that again, Janelle? Bavado. Supervado. I'm not trying to make funny of your language, brother. (laughs) You see, the, the most amazing thing is what we are talking about here is the miracle of God. The miracle of tongues. The miracle of languages. That's what we're talking about here. In, in the life of me, if you think that so many different ways of saying good morning, and you know, if Janot talks to me like that, I wouldn't even understand. If I say to you, do you understand what I'm saying? I might as well say, you woke up this morning, you haven't brushed your hair. That's what you could hear in your mind. But, but you know, I train my tongue and there's a dialect coming out of it, and it's a miracle from God that there is a way that we as people can talk to one another. Do do you know it's a miracle? We are not animals. We we haven't evolved from animals. And these scientists who come to you and they say, sheep can talk to one another, they meh, 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 and they understand what they say. No, that's not true. Or cows, moo, moo, and, and, and dogs, woof, 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 woof. There's no, there's no understanding there because it's not a language. It is a noise they make, it's a sound, it is a sound they make. But we've got a miracle. 
which is living inside of you. God gave you a brain to think. Thoughts. And you can take that thoughts and you can bring it down here and they form. Your tongue forms certain... If, if I walk in and I talk, they all go, you're the South African because you've got a thick accent. That's how my tongue was formed when I was born and I form words. I listen, phonics. Who's still be, I'm a teacher, by the way. Who still believe in phonics teaching? I do. You, know, you hear it and you repeat it. You hear it and you repeat it. And, and as you hear it and you repeat it, you form your tongue and you form all of these muscles inside to form those words. And miraculously... We can sit here from different nationalities and understand one another. That is wonderful. I want to talk to you today about these tongues. I want to talk to you in Greek. It is the word glossa. Glossa, which means dilate. I want to talk to you about the miracle of Acts chapter 2. And you remember last week I touched on tongues. Because it's one of the misinformed things in churches today is tongues. The speaking of tongues and the interpretation of tongues. And when you talk to people, the first passage they go to to say, you need to speak in churches in tongues because of Acts chapter 2. So I thought we'll talk about that today. Yeah? So first scripture I want to go to this morning is in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 18. I want to lay it down a foundation here for you and then we're going to use this foundation to build and come to Acts chapter 2. Because who believes that the Bible needs to be read in context? Who believes that? You cannot take a scripture verse or a passage out of context. You need to read it in context. So 1 Corinthians, Paul writes to the church in Corinth. And he writes here in verse 18. He says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Amen. The message of the cross is foolishness. To those who are perishing. In another part of the Bible says, he says, it is a fool who says there is no God. I just want to labor the fact here. Because there's people in the world who are operating in foolishness. Because they say the message of the cross, that a man had to go and die on a cross, had to bleed out that that message of the cross, which is the gospel of your salvation, the world says it is foolishness. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Unfortunately this morning, it's not me saying this, but if you sit here in this place this morning, and you still believe that the message of the cross is foolishness, you are perishing. There is not a good future for you beyond this world. There is a sad future for you beyond this world. Not only are you physically perishing, but you also are spiritually perishing. You are staring towards a second death, which is not the physical death. Paul writes this very clear to these people there in Corinth who was living in a city similar to Melbourne, similar to Melbourne, where people are giving themselves to fornication, adultery, to lavishness, to drunkenness, to all kinds of things. They just give themselves to these things. And when you come to them and you talk to them about Jesus Christ, they say, away with this Jesus. We don't want to hear about him. That is just plain foolishness. And the Bible says, not me, that they are perishing. But, everybody say but. What does it mean? 
Sharp contrast. Come on, people. But this is the good news. To us, everybody say us. To us who are being saved, what is it? It is the power of God. The power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. I love these words in the word. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Now back in those days, the scribes were the ones who really, uh, they, they studied the word. It's like the lawyers and, and they studied the words and every single yuttle and tittle and everything. Where are they? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? Think about it. It's happening in front of your eyes that God is, is doing what? He's making foolishness the wisdom of this world. For since the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message priest to save those who believe. You say, I thought you were going to talk about tongues this morning. We're getting there. I'm laying a foundation. We're talking about foolish people. We're talking about people who believe in the cross and it's the power of God. If you want to operate in the power of God, come to the cross, the cross of Christ. In verse 22, he says, For the Jews request a sign. Everybody say sign. sign. And the Greeks after wisdom. Everybody say wisdom. What is wisdom? Wisdom is to know how to apply knowledge. He says the Jews, they request a sign. And the Greeks, they seek after wisdom. But we, but we, preach Christ crucified. To the Jews, it's a stumbling block. And to the Greeks, foolishness. There we go again. Foolishness. You see, it's the people who want to be clever. They want to overcomplicate the word of God. They make the word foolish. You cannot overcomplicate it. The cross is not complicated. It is Jesus Christ who went and died for your soul on that cross. I will, brother. Verse 24, he says, But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. In a way, he talks about the church here. He says, those who are called. Can all who are called put up their hands? If you don't put up your hand, I know that you just don't understand it yet. But if you come into the body of Christ, you are called into the body of Christ. It's not that you wake up one morning and say, from today on, I'm going to be a Christian. It's not that. You can't become a Christian like that. From today on. And then you pray prayers like this. Lord, if only this happened, I will serve you for the rest of my life. It doesn't work that way. The Holy Spirit calls you. And then what happens? He works on you. And then what happens? You come to the cross. You confess your sin to Him because you have sinned against God. And what happens? He reaches out. He saves your soul. And then what happens? You are called into the body. And you're not called to come and sit here for nothing. You are called with a purpose. Each one in this place. If you're in the body of Christ, you are called with a purpose. What is my purpose, preacher? 
You need to start praying and ask God. I can give you a lot of general purposes that He called you for. But He called, you've got a vision, my sister. He gave you a vision. But you were called first before you can have a vision from God. Let me say that again. You are called first before you can have a vision of God. If you are not called, if you are not born again, you know, you're building a house which is not built on the rock Jesus Christ. It is built on sinking sand and it will not last. You can apply what I just said to your life. You can apply it to your workplace. You can apply it to your family life. You can apply it to your love life. You can apply it to every single thing. You need to be called. You respond. And He, he gives you a vision. He calls you in. So we see that the Jews seek a sign. The Jews. Those Jews. They look for signs. But the Greeks seek wisdom. And I want to use that as a foundation to come to the tongues. If you understand this concept of the Jews, you will understand Acts chapter 4 very well. It will not be a mystery to you, as it is for some people. We see that the Jews love signs. And so do a lot of people in the church today. Honestly. I've heard Christians saying, Oh, pastor, I just want to do what they said in the Old Testament. I'm throwing out my three fleeces. You remember that? The sign of the three fleeces? I just want to throw it out and wait for God until He gives me the sign. He's already given you a sign. He's already given it. But you are like the Jews now. You're looking for that sign. Oh, maybe if I wake up and I look at the tree and the tree looks greener today than yesterday, that's the sign. You know, brothers and sisters, it's dangerous to operate your life like that. It is absolutely dangerous. And a Christian, a child of God, should not operate his life like that. You should not. We see that Jews love signs. Judges 6, 17. So Gideon said to him, If now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who speak with me. See, the Jews love their signs. Even Gideon. And by the way, I've only picked out a few. There's so many. There's so many. Uh, in Isaiah 38 verse 22, and Ezekiel said, What is the sign that I shall go up to the house of the Lord? Give me a sign. Just show me a sign. Can you now understand why Paul says that the Jews, they are looking for signs. And then also, Matthew chapter 16, then the Pharisees and the Sadducees came, and they testing Jesus, asked Him that He would show them a sign from heaven. Just, just show, us, show us a sign and we will believe you. And I don't want you to point finger at these people, because it's the same today in the church. You have churches praying for signs. You have people in churches, Christians, who say, Lord, show me a sign. Just give me a sign. In Luke chapter 23, verse 8, Now when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceedingly glad. I see so many people coming into church, glad. Why? Because I'm going to see a sign today. I'm going to see a sign today. Something's going to happen. You shouldn't come for that. You should bring with you the blessing of God. But here, Herod sees him and he's so excited, man. He's so excited. For he has desired for a long time to see him. 
to see Him. All of this sounds very good. If I preach a sermon of the excitement to come to Jesus, all of this sounds good. Hear it. Wow. I can't wait to see Him. I can't wait to see Jesus. But wait, there's more. Because He had heard many things about Him, and He hoped to see what? He hoped to see some signs done by Him. Some signs. You see, the Jews love their signs. In John chapter 2 verse 18, the Jews answered and said to him, What sign do you show us since you do these things? When he cleansed the temple. What sign can you show us that this is the true and the real thing? And then, and then John 4 verse 48, you see I told you there's so many of these scripture verses. Jesus said to him, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. Unless you see signs and wonders. And this is what I said a few weeks ago. There are people who say, God, give me this Holy Spirit so that I can do things. That's not how it works. You should say, Lord, use me. Use me. Use your Holy Spirit through me to touch the world. And if you go and say, give me this power like that magician, Simon the sorcerer, what will happen? You will misuse it. And that's why you see these funny things going on in certain churches where they misuse it. It's not the Spirit of God. They are fabricating signs. They are setting people up to fabricate it. I better calm down. In Luke chapter 2, he says in Luke chapter 11 verse 29, And while the crowds were thickly gathered together, he began to say, This is an evil generation. Why? Why did he say that? It seeks what? Signs. And no sign will be given except the sign of Jonah the prophet. What sign is that? It's about Jesus. Jonah, similar way, will go into the belly of the feast. Jesus will die and be resurrected. That's your sign. You say, so what are we saying this morning, preacher? Well, God is a God of signs. He is a God of signs. You see, if we go to Exodus chapter 13 verse 21, and God went before them by day in what? In a pillar of a cloud. And He led the way by night in what? In a pillar of fire. To give them light. So as to go by day and go by night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. So it is so clear in the Old Testament that God used signs. The cloud, the pillar of cloud was a sign. They walk and they could see the sign. And they could walk at night and there was a big fire. I mean, I can't even for the life of me imagine this. I can't, can you? Here is so many people walking through at night time. It must have been a big, big fire in the sky. It's not a torchlight. How many people were walking there? 10, 20? No. How many? There were thousands of people walking. And now they're walking at night. And, and I don't know about you, if the, if the moon is not up or anything, it's pitch dark. You can walk into rocks, into anything. This fire must have been a big fire, a massive fire in the sky, which they all could see and it, it lit the way in front of them so that they could walk. So I ask you this morning, what did that cloud and what did that fire represent? It was represented the Holy Spirit. 
The Holy Spirit, you say, me, how do you get to that? Well, in the Old Testament, when you read about the cloud, every man went into his tent. And what happened with the cloud? When the cloud came over the tent, what came into? It is the presence of God. You see, God is a God of signs. We're not against signs. But the problem here is that the people became so familiar with signs. They were so familiar that God, when He speaks to them, He's going to show a sign. And in the Old Testament, there's so many signs that He showed. But let me, just, let me just say to you that Jesus Christ came in the New Testament. And if you read in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the days of old, in the old times, God spoke to us through whom? The prophets, yes? But in these last days, through whom? His Son, Jesus Christ. And then Jesus came to his disciples and he said to them, It's better for you that I go away. Why? Because if I go, whom am I going to send to you? The Holy Spirit. And he's going to be in you and with you forever. So they became so familiar with these signs, the Jews. They were a nation led by signs in the Old Testament, but they became so dependent on it. So what's the message for us in the New Testament? We do not walk by sight but we walk by faith we walk by faith and not by sight so i want you to see this picture here you know they are looking for signs god show us a sign give us a sign give us a sign he gave them signs in the old testament this is the new testament now and they come and they still are looking for signs from him but in the new testament we walk by faith now let me take you now to the other sign, and it's the sign of tongues. In Acts chapter 2, I've laid the foundation there. I want you to come to this point now, so, because you will understand now what Paul said. He says the Jews are looking for signs. In Acts chapter 2 verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come. This day of Pentecost was the feast of booths. It was the feast of weeks. When that happened, when it fully came... They were all in one accord, in one place. Where were they? In one place, and they were all in one accord. There were unity there. I want you to make a mental note. They were united. Who were united? Who were united in the upper room? Jews. It was Jews up there. The gospel hasn't been preached to the Gentiles yet. So they all came together up there. And they remembered the promise. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8. What is the promise? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. You know what the Greek word is for witness? Martyr. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and to the ends of the world. That was the promise. He says, you will receive power from that day. And he was taken up onto the air out of their sight. And from that day, they started coming together as one, waiting on the promise of God. What will happen? You will receive power. You will receive power. Now, they've already received before this. Jesus blew on them. They received the Holy Spirit. So it's not the Holy Spirit. It is this power they would receive for ministry. Why? You will receive power for to be my witnesses. This power on the day of Pentecost is the power for ministry. You will go out and you will minister. Let me tell you one thing. If you want to stand in the ministry of God, you're going to need the power from God. 
You cannot stand behind the pulpit, preach in your own power, you will be burned. You're going to ask any minister. This is not a job. This is not something you do because you like it. You know, I've heard so many testimonies. I, I came into preaching because I liked it. No, no. You come in here because you are called, and when you are called, God fills you with His power from above. It is the dunamis power. That word is two words, dynamite and dunamis. Dunamis is a dynamo. So yes, there's going to be an explosion. Yes, when you preach the gospel, people will listen and they will come. Yes, and I hear that so many times today. Today we preach and there's 5,000 who gave their hearts to the Lord. That's the dynamite power of God, but then also it is the dunamis, the dynamo power to keep on keeping on. And in your own power, you can't do that. I've got the privilege now of preaching for 26 years, 26, 27 years. I don't say that to impress you. I say that to you that if I were doing that in my own power, it would have lasted me maybe one year, knowing what I know now. So who was in the upper room in one accord? It was Jews. They were waiting on the power. But how would they know that they received the power? They needed the sign. Can you see where I'm going? They are a people of signs. God knew that. They knew that. We haven't got the prayers which they prayed in the upper room. Have, have you found those prayers anywhere? But I think it went like this. Lord, give us this power. I think that's how it went. Lord, give us this power. You promised the power. What do we do from here? They're all in one accord. But they were Jews. And suddenly... Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. I, can, I cannot imagine how this is because you, you need to understand in Jerusalem right now the population quadrupled at this time. People from all over came into Jerusalem and there is noise and there is sound and there is happiness and there is crying and there are little ones and there is sheep. You, 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 have you ever thought about the animals, the amount of animals coming there for sacrifices needs to make? So you get the bleating of the animals and all of these things. So, so the, the noise factor of Jerusalem rose. And then suddenly, above that noise, I, I mean, I don't know if you've been in a, in a lively prayer meeting even, have you? Where one brother pray, pray and everybody is saying yes and amen and praise the Lord. And uh, Have you been in a prayer meeting like that? It becomes really noisy, isn't it? But suddenly, suddenly there was a different sound. Brothers and sisters, I'm not looking for the sound of this world anymore. I'm looking for that different sound. The sound from heaven. The real sound from heaven. And here is this mighty rushing wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. And one sat upon each one of them. Remember, these are Jews. They are sitting waiting for the promise and they are looking for a sign. And here comes a sign to them. And what is the sign? 
the sign that they've heard, which they were taught when they were little boys from their parents when we went through the wilderness. What did we follow by night? We followed a pillar of what? Of fire. That's the representation of the Holy Spirit. That's the sign of the Holy Spirit. Now in the upper room, they are in one accord. They wait for the promise of God. And here comes tongues like fire. Isn't that a wonderful sign or what? Isn't that a wonderful sign? You see, but these days it's been hijacked by people who do not understand the Scriptures. Because now I go to church and everybody shouts, Fire! Fire! No, no. What you are shouting for is the fire of God, which is the, the fire which is the judgment fire. This is not judgment fire here. This is a sign to them of a tongue. A tongue. The word there for tongue, or, or let me just ask you, uh, I've explained it to you, why? Why did he send them the Holy Spirit in, in flaming tongues? Have you ever asked that question? Because when Jesus was baptized, you remember that? The heaven tore open and he says the Holy Spirit came down like what? A dove. So I, I would sit there in the upper room and go, I don't get it. I was there. I'm one of the disciples. I saw him. Or even John could see, you know, what happened here? You know, the Holy Spirit came down like a dove, but here he comes down like what? Tongues of fire. You see, God is a God of signs. He gave signs to the people who needed to see the signs. He gave it to the Jews. He gave it in that upper room to them. It came down as of fire. The word here for tongues comes from the Greek word glossa, which means it's a physical tongue or a dialect. This is why I started the sermon asking you all of these different greetings. Because you need to understand the miracle that took place here. God came down and He gave them these tongues, these dialects. It is not, and we're going to come to that in a few weeks' time, when Paul talks about speaking in tongues or praying in tongues, which is a heavenly language. This is not that tongues. I want to be clear about this. This tongues here is not what you come into some churches and somebody speaks in a tongue and there's an interpretation of tongues. This is not that. This tongues here is dialect, and we're going to see what dialect it is. You see... Because one year earlier, I just want to rewind back a year earlier. What happened a year earlier on the same day? In John chapter 7 verse 37, Jesus was standing at exactly the same feast. He was standing at the feast of Pentecost, the day of Pentecost. But it wasn't called the day of Pentecost. It was the feast of booths. One year earlier. And when they were all standing around there and they threw the pitches out of, of the water on the steps, Jesus stood up and he says, on the last day of that great day feast, he says, he says, if anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of what? Living waters. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit. The Spirit whom those who believe would, would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. You see, if we go back here, he says, And as tongues of fire and sat on each one of them, and they were all filled. Everybody say filled. 
with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. It's exactly the same miracle that God laid upon them as the Spirit gave them utterance. So all of a sudden they were filled. They were filled up. And when they were filled up, what started happening? They started outflowing. They started bringing this out. What did they bring out? Jesus, this is what happened a year earlier. He promised them. He said, if you are thirsty and you come to me and you drink, the Holy Spirit, it was rivers of living water will flow out from you. Let me show you how it flowed out. Acts chapter 2 verse 5. And they were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews. Who? They were Jews. Jews are seeking a sign. He first gave the sign to them in the upper room. And now he says, devout men from every nation under the heaven. And when the sound occurred, the multitude came together. This is the wind. And they were confused. Look at this now. Everybody say confused. Park that word in your mind because I'm going to show you something really interesting in a minute. He says, because everyone heard them speak in his own language. In his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled saying to one another, look, not all these, uh, uh, look, are not all these who speak Galileans, they've got their own language, and their own dialect, and how is it then, that we hear each in our own language, in which we were born, and then he gave us the languages, all the languages, he's right there, he's, he started naming them, he says, Parsians, Medes, Elamites, those who dwell in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Protus, Asia. Look at all the different tongues and languages that God gave them in the upper room and all of the different things they could speak. Visitors from Rome, Jews and proselytes. So what tongues were given that day? Tongues of all of the people represented in Jerusalem. Did He give them the power? Yes. Was it a dynamite power that day? Yes. It was an explosion. Now, this is where I want to go, finally, in verse 11. And we hear them speaking in our own tongues uh, the wonderful works of God. What did they proclaim? The wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, where, what could this mean? What is the meaning of this? You see the word here for tongues? They hear them speaking in their own tongues is the same word, glossia, which came and sat upon them. That's a miracle. Because all of a sudden, they could walk out and they could start speaking in German. They could walk out and start speaking in Italian. Now, if you ask me to do that, no. If I start speaking Italian from the front, you should know it's a miracle. 100%. It's not a miracle for me to speak Kiwi, but it's a miracle to speak Italian. Or if I start preaching all of a sudden in Malayalam, my, my brother, you'll go, this is only from God. It couldn't happen that way. This is what happened that day. This is what happened. This is the tongues. Now again, we're going to come to the tongues of heaven in a few weeks' time. You see... But it says, when Jesus said there that day in John chapter 37, He says, out of the heart will flow rivers of living water. Living water. And here we see the living water. They speak in tongues the wonderful works of God. That's the living water. What is the living water? The gospel is the living water. You need to combine these things. 
You see, here we have a sign of tongues to the Jews who are seeking signs. And here, the tongues united the nations. Isn't it? This is a uniting tongues. They all came together. All of these different nationalities. And I, I can just think in my mind, maybe, maybe I wasn't there and I'm not going to try to put it down that way, but in my mind it works like this. If we go to Jerusalem, the South African contingents of Jews, and we're going for the, for the Passover feast, here comes all the South Africans and we camp in this side. Here comes all the Kiwis and they camp in this side. We don't mingle with those because we don't speak the same language. Here comes all the Aussies. Oi, 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 Aussies. And here come all the Italians. And here come all the Indians. And here... Can you imagine it the same way? This is what we do. If we go on a camping trip now and you get different national, you know, birds of a feather flock together. And this is how they are in Jerusalem. They're all Jews. They all have the Torah. They all have the law. They're all uh, Abram's children. They're all Jews. But man, you know, I'm a South African. I'm going to keep to my group. Because ons kan Afrikaans praat en allemaal kan ons verstaan as ons Afrikaans praat. En ons kan die Heere loof en prijs en sy naam groot maak en allemaal sal het verstaan. You just understood what I just said, didn't you? That's a miracle if you did. But here these people all talk that. But here it comes, they're all divided. They are one but they're divided. Do you, you get my drift here? They're all Jews but not all because they're in different groups. And here comes God and the miracle of the days is unite the nations. He brings them all together by doing what? By the miracle of tongues. By the miracle of tongues. And then... Uh, uh, and Peter could stood up in chapter verse 22. He says, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, he brings it down to the signs. A man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in your midst, as you yourself also know. He preaches to them the gospel, the living water. In verse 27, he says, Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? That's what the gospel do. The gospel always point you to a point to say, What shall I do? Peter said, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. For the remission of sin, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then those who gladly received the word were baptized. You see, this is so wonderful, and you say, so what? That's a wonderful miracle. But there's more. There's more. Do you want to hear them all? I was going to say it anyway, but here it is. It's a wonderful miracle that united the nations. He brought them all together. I want to take you to another miracle in the Old Testament, because I believe this is where God brought it both together. He brought it both together. Look at this one. This was a miracle that divided the nations. You recall this? In Genesis chapter 11 verse 1, you see God told the people to go and fill the earth. Go out and fill the earth. Didn't God say that? But here we find now the whole earth had one language and one speech. The new world order. Watch out for that. Yeah? You know, there's nothing new under the sun. Nothing new. There's a new old world order coming. It's, it's been prophesied. It's all over. One religion. Yeah? You find now where the mullahs sit with this group and that group and that group. And it's all peace. Peace, peace, peace. peace. 
one world order. It's already happened. And we're going to see how it's been taken apart by God. So let me just say to you, you can march with your little banner against the world order as much as you want. You can't stop it. No, no. The work of the church is to proclaim the gospel. That's why you won't find me in a ticketing line marching against a one world order or whatever. God didn't call me to waste my time in that. And there's people who, you know, I'm not taking them on. But I'm here to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay? One world, one language, one speech. And it came to pass in the journey, as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and they dwelt there. Here is the first problem. God said, fill the earth, but no, no, no. We're going to dwell right here in verse 4. And they said, listen now, and they said, come let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves. Let us make a name for ourselves. Isn't that our language in our world today? Just make a name for yourself. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered about the face of the whole earth. The whole earth. You see, what was their message? Let us make a name. What came out of them? Let us make a name for ourselves. What was most important in their lives? Let us make a name for ourselves. It's all about me, myself, and I. Me, myself, and I. It's us, me. And we have got one language and one thing happening for us. And here comes it, in verse uh, 15. But, everybody say but. but. But the Lord came down. The Lord came down. To see the city and the tower which the sons of men has built. And the Lord said, indeed the people are one, and they have all one language. One language. And this is what they began to do. Now nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Nothing will be withheld from them. And in verse 7, Come let us go down therefore and confuse their language. There's another miracle. You see this now he comes and he changes the language. And now he divides the nations. It's a miracle, honestly. Have you ever thought about you waking up one morning and you speaking, and you know, I'm, I'm sorry I'm picking on your group, uh, on, on your Janil, but you know, there's the whole Janil family and they all speak, speak Malayalo, and the next morning, how many are you in the family? Five, Janil. And what will happen tomorrow morning if these family wake up and each one in that family speaks a different language and they don't understand Malayalo? What will happen? chaos this is what happened they were confused the language that they may not understand one another's speech so the Lord scattered them aboard he scattered you see the word there in Hebrew for language is the word sapath which is means lips and it's the same dialogues dialect so he changes the dialect and they were departed they were scattered all over two miracles of language so, I hope you see this morning that Acts chapter 2 verse 4, for the right reasons, was a wonderful miracle. Because what happened in the Old Testament for God to drive the nations to do what He did want them to do. He said to them, go and fill the earth. And they said, no, we're going to become one. It's all about us. Me, myself, and I. It's all us. And God came down and He changes the language. 
There's not a lot of preaching about this language change in churches, is there? You know, we're not going to, but there's a lot of people who preach Acts chapter 2 verse 4, and they say, like I said to you, there's, there's a person who contacted me, he said, in your church, do you speak in tongues? That's the wrong question. The question should be, are you preaching Jesus Christ and Him crucified? The focus is wrong because people don't understand. So I want to end this day by asking you a question. They said, we hear them speaking in your own tongues the wonderful works of God. What is your speech about today? What is people hearing about you when you start speaking in your tongue, in your dialect? You know, when the Lord sent me to New Zealand to preach, I absolutely thought He sent me to preach to South Africans, honestly. And I've got the scriptures to show you how the Lord called me into New Zealand. We pioneered the church there for South Africans. I was preaching in Afrikaans every Sunday. It sort of messed up my mind because on a Monday when I worked in my weekly work like a Paul, I sit around the boardroom table and people start speaking and because my brain was all over the place, I started throwing in South African words in the monks and they, you could see the blunt stares on their faces. What is he talking about? Dude, come on. And then one day the Lord sent a Kiwi man past the church. A Kiwi. And the board there was in Afrikaans. But he heard the songs we were singing standing on the outside. And he understand it's a Christian church. He took down the phone number because you can't write the phone number in Afrikaans. Have you, have you noticed? It's in all languages the same, you know. He wrote down the phone number. He called me up and he says, are you a Roman Catholic church? I said, by far not. He said, can I come? And I was in a crisis of belief. Who knows what is a crisis of belief? Here the Lord called me for Afrikaners, and now there's a Kiwi who wants to come. And I tell you what I did the whole week, I practiced my English. I said to him, by all means, we had two services, morning and evening. He was going to come to the evening service. That whole week, I had my sermon. I never do this. I never, you can come. I haven't got notes. I don't preach from notes. Okay, so, so, yeah, you can say, that's my notes, that is my notes, okay. But back then, I had nothing, you know, that I was going to write it out. But that Sunday evening I did. I had all the scriptures in English, and I practiced the English. I have to say it right. And he didn't turn up. <laughs> Crisis of belief. So that night I was so ingrained in my mind to preach English, and I was preaching English to Afrikaners. That felt strange. So the next weekend I didn't, and then that next Sunday he turned up. <laughs> so I'm standing there now and I'm going, Afrikaans, but I didn't even have an English Bible that, that night. So I was trying to, I was reading in Afrikaans and trying to translate and trying to preach, which I believe I made an absolute mess of. Absolute. But God, hallelujah. Who knows that? But God is so powerful. Afterwards he came to me and he says, that was a wonderful message. <laughs> the miracle of tongues. He said, can I come again? Now I'm sitting in a crisis of belief. We're in Afrikaans church. But brothers and sisters, to cut a long testimony short, I went to the church that day. Oh, the, the next week, because it was a Sunday evening, I went to them and said, the Lord, I believe, I prayed the whole week, I believe the Lord wants me to turn from preaching Afrikaans to English. Because I'm here not only for Afrikaners, but for the nations. 
we had a church split. I ended up with four families who, who could feel the vision, who could see the vision, who said, we believe you. We believe you because you believe God. We believe you. And, and we started and we pioneered. And, and I'll tell you, brothers and sisters, by the grace of God, I had the privilege to preach to Chinese, to Italians, to Indians, to South Africans, to Kiwis, to Aussies, might, and to every single person. I had the privilege to preach it. And, and you know what? I, when I started, I said, Lord, I don't want the easy road. I went and I bought myself a King James Version Bible. <laughs> I, I mean, to be honest, there's some English-speaking people who don't even understand the King James. But I went to the Lord and I said, Lord, if I do this, I want to do it right. I'm going to start with the most difficult Bible you can get. And I started with the King James Version Bible. Brothers and sisters, what I'm telling you is, for me even to preach in English at more than five minutes is a miracle from God. I'm asking you this morning... What are you overflowing? What is your language, your dialect? What is it in English? What is it in your own language? Who are you impacting? What is flowing out of you? You see, I've got a garbage bin at home. I know if I throw garbage in that thing, not miraculously, when I tip it over, there's going to be a nice chicken sandwich. By the way, that is on the menu today. Close to lunchtime. But it's not as if you're going to tip the garbage bin over and then boom, there's a chicken sandwich and you pick it up and you start eating it. If garbage goes in, what comes out? If the Holy Spirit comes and He imparts into you the living water, what will come out? What, what will come out, church? Say it again. What will come out? Then go and do it. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning, Lord, for your word. Your word is powerful, Lord. Now, Father, as you took us through this passage, Lord, I thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit who makes it alive to us. Help us, Lord. Help us to use our dialect, the miracle of speech, the miracle of thoughts that you gave us. Help us then, Father, to use these implements that you've given us so that when this living water flow from the inside out, Father, that our speech be perfect before you. Lord, not perfect before man because we will always fail man, but before you, Father. I pray that the Holy Spirit, the Paracletus, help us, Lord, that when we overflow, it is streams of living water. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.